0: Welcome to the chocolate cake bites podcast this is a podcast where we will discuss the sweet nuggets of goodness that come from living the gospel of jesus christ i'm your host ken williams the opinions attitudes thoughts and ideas that we discuss are those of the hosts and guests and are not necessarily a reflection of the actual doctrines of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints thanks for listening and enjoy this week's conversation and once again it's just me Chatting with you. So, um, first of all, I am sorry a little bit (laughs) that I didn't get anything out last week. Um, Time just got away from me, and I had some ideas and I had some things I wanted to talk about, and I just procrastinated enough that here we are at uh, Friday morning again. And I would love to say (laughs) I won't, but I would love to say it won't happen again, but it will. And so, I'll just uh beg forgiveness. Uh number 2 is um this topic that I want to talk about today is something it's uh, another one of those things that's been on my mind for a while. And as I've been thinking about um ideas for what I want to share, um I've also been thinking about my other podcast which is called to- Untoxic Positivity. If you haven't listened to that, that's the one where I focus more on coaching. And, um, this really applies to both, but there are slightly different approaches, I think. And so that's why I've decided instead of just recording one thing and posting it twice, I'm going to record two different things. and, And there may be slightly different, um, ideas that, that come up. So we'll see. Um, you can check that out on toxic positivity. And that's where I talk a little bit more about relationships and what works for me and what, uh, I found. Helpful in dealing with difficult people, <laughs> or not difficult people, but difficult people. And what if I'm the difficult person? I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's the case. Sorry about that. If uh, that's what you think. So, this week's um, conversation really leads for, or stems from an experience that I had last Saturday. Th- the um, where I live is right near an airport. It's close enough that I can see the blue lights that outline the taxiway from my front yard. Uh, The traffic pattern, this is a small small municipal airport. The traffic pattern goes over my house, depending on the winds. And about um, 15, almost 15 years ago, I got my private pilot's license, had some tremendous experiences, very difficult experiences. If you've not done something out of your comfort zone, uh, that's uh, something that would certainly fit in the out of your comfort zone category. It was challenging. It was harder than I thought. And uh, it was amazing in a lot of ways as well. And I'll, I'll talk, I've talked a little a bit about that in the past. I'll, I may talk about it more in the future. But this is a specific experience that I want to share that was prompted because I went to a seminar over at the airport, at this uh, metro municipal airport. Uh, it was called the Rusty Pilots Seminar. I had in my brain thought, mm, it's probably been five or six years since I've been flying. I probably should get up again. I really would like to get up again. I've had some great experiences with my kids as I've taken them flying and I let them take control of the flight controls, give them the experience of flying, and and uh, then we come back down. And, and there are a lot of times things we can talk about in the air. Uh, they can't escape me, <laughs> safely anyways. And... Uh, so I had been getting emails from the the airline, what is it, AOPA, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, something like that, uh, that if it's been a while since you've been in flying, then you should come to the Rusty Pilot Seminar and we'll help you get moving in that direction. And I had seen some of these seminars in places like Michigan or Terre Haute. I think there was one last year in Terre Haute, which is an hour and a half or so from me. But this one was a 10 minute walk from my house. And I thought, this is a great opportunity for me to get back into the pilot seat. I would love to do that again. I would love to have that experience again. Uh, I have kids who it's been a long time. And like I said, when I thought uh, the first question that they asked, in as we started the seminar, and there were about 50 guys, and they were all guys, and they were all old guys. I surprisingly, this will surprise some of you, I brought the average age down. <laughs> uh, it felt like quite a bit. Um there was a lot of gray hair, a lot of okay, I should say a lot of white hair. Um and there were probably two other guys that were younger than me, but a lot of older guys. Um and the the seminar leader asked how long has it been and raise your hand has it been one to five years and um, I didn't raise my hand because I thought it's probably been over five and she asked five to ten years I raised my hand with a lot of other people and then ten plus years 20 plus years and so there were people at all ranges of this the spectrum how long it had been since they've been flying uh, I met a guy that uh, his name was Ned he was a retired airline pilot, but, and he retired in the early pandemic time period. He took his uh, exit at that point, but he has not flown one of the small personal aircraft like uh, Cessna or, or Cessna is what I have, uh, what I've learned to fly on. He hasn't flown anything like that since 1982. So it's been a while and it's a little bit different. I imagine carrying passengers and uh, multi-engine jets as opposed to a single engine uh, little plane. So three and a half hours later, I leave thinking this is uh, fantastic. I feel like this is absolutely possible. The one hurdle, there are a couple of hurdles, but the one major hurdle is to be legally able to fly. I have to have my pilot's license. Well, I can't find it. I Put it someplace, probably at one point when I was cleaning out my wallet, I thought, "Ah, I don't need this in my wallet right now. So I took it out. I don't know where it went. And every place that I went to uh, websites or whatever to find a way to request a replacement, I needed to, to put in my pilot's certificate number. This is the certificate number on the license. It's like the driver's license number for my pilot's license. And I don't have my pilot's license. I don't know where to find the certificate number. So I dug through all my stuff. And and really, that was one of the big reasons that I procrastinated because I can't find it. So there's no point in flying. I can go flying. I could fly with somebody else as the pilot in command and uh, have that experience, but it's not the same. And I certainly wouldn't be able to take friends, family flying if I can't find my license. Well, I found a, um, a contact. This was the chief flight instructor over at the airport. And I texted him and I said, here's what my challenge is. Now the FAA, that's part of the federal government. And I just didn't have a whole lot of confidence that they'd be able to help me out. It might be weeks or months before I would even get a return email or a phone call. And so I didn't even try. I just, I, for months, I haven't done anything at all. Well, he's, he asked if I'd registered on a certain website I had not And so I did. And I put in the inform information that I knew, which were things like my name. I am pretty comfortable with that. My birth date. I knew that. I was able to dig up the date that I got my license. So I put that in there, registered for the website, and it pops up. Your certificate number is. And it gave me my pilot certificate number. Fantastic. With that and two (laughs) dollars, literally, that's all I needed to be able to order a replacement pilot's license. I printed out a temporary so I can go flying. There's some other requirements I've got to get uh, current, which means I need to actually go flying. I need to have a flight review, which is uh, something that happens every two years for every pilot. They need to have a flight review just to confirm that they are safe and uh, capable. And I've got those appointments scheduled. I need to get a medical certificate just confirm that I am healthy enough to fly. I've got that appointment scheduled. So things are moving and it's uh, it's exciting. It's a little bit scary to be moving into uh, the um kind of unknown I have done this before I've experienced uh, piloting a, a small aircraft but um it's been drummel <laughs> it has been 11 years I thought it was 10 and no it's been 11 years since I've been in a plane almost to the day and so I have um started moving in that direction it's a little bit uh intimidating and so I am going to pretend that it doesn't bother me, but <laughs> secretly, you guys will know that it's a little bit um, frightening to do something that I'm not good at. So I may spend a little bit more time about that, uh, talking about that on the uh, T- Untoxic Positivity podcast. But this one, I wanted to talk about an experience that I had while I was in my flight instruction. There's a process that they put us through called unusual attitude recovery. Unusual means not normal. Attitude is the configuration, the positioning in space that you're in. Uh, are you pointed up, pointed down, pointed left, pointed right, pointed um, sideways? And the configuration. So how are you situated in space in a not normal way? That's unusual attitude uh, configuration or recovery. Recovery means you need to get back to to a straight and level, safe, uh, matter of flight. The way they do this is they they um, have the the student pilot put a hood on. A hood is you can imagine a long sun visor. And so with when I have the hood on or foggles. Foggles are sunglasses that are shaded. They're kind of like um, etched glass. It's plastic, but it's like etched glass at the top half. So I can't see outside the windshield of the plane. All I can see is the instruments. So I put the foggles on or I put the the hood on. When I did this in my flight training, it was a hood. We got up to about 4,000 feet. Jim, my flight instructor said, go ahead and put the hood on. So he takes the controls. I put the hood on and then he gives me the controls back. I can't see anything outside the window. I can't see anything outside the window. I can barely see the instruments. And so I reach up, I take the controls and he uh, confirms that I have control of the airplane. And he says, just keep it straight and level. So I keep it straight and level. Seems pretty simple. And uh, at, actually at, at, one, at this point, as he was doing this, the first round, he told me to close my eyes. So I have my eyes closed. And I'm keeping it straight and level. That's easy enough to do because all I have to do is not move. So we keep it straight and level and we go for about a minute and Jim then says, I want you to do a standard rate turn to the left. A standard rate turn is a turn that if I maintain that exact configuration, that exact um, bank angle, I will do a complete 360 degree turn. So I'm ending up the same direction that I started out with in two minutes. There's actually a a gauge that has, if you imagine a level, uh, like a carpenter's level, there's a ball that's in this fluid that will uh, hit a mark when you're at the standard rate. My eyes were closed, so I couldn't tell. So I'm just guessing. So I turn a little bit to the left. And one of the things about airplanes is when you turn, you're changing the drag on the wings. So you actually lose lift. You increase the drag, which means that you lose altitude the way to counteract that is you need to pull back on the controls a little bit so i pull back a little bit and again i'm guessing my eyes are closed and i do a standard rate turn the purpose of the standard rate turn is if you were to get yourself into trouble you're getting into clouds you can't see the ground or something like that you're not uh, trained to fly by instru- instruments it's called vfr visual flight rules flying only and that's what i'm i'm allowed to fly is in visual flight rules if you get yourself into trouble you can turn around even if you can't see the ground and if you look at your watch, you time yourself for one minute at the standard rate and you're now going the exact direction you j- just came from 180 degree turn. So that's the point of the standard standard rate turn. So Jim has me one minute ish uh, going straight and level one minute. Now at the standard rate turn, my eyes are closed. I have no idea <laughs> where I'm going. And he says, okay, take it back to straight and level. So now I've got to undo what I just did. So I uh, make it back to a straight, what I think is straight, going straight with my, um, my controls. I push forward a little bit because I need to counteract the, um, the lift that I had gained <laughs> by pulling back. Since I'm not turning, I don't have that lift loss. Um, I'm now going what I think is straight and level. My eyes are closed. I can't tell. About a minute. He then says, do a standard rate turn to the right. Right. So I do the same thing, just uh, the opposite of what I'd done when I had to the standard rate right turn to the left. And so I turn to the right, go a little bit. What I think is about right, I don't know because I can't tell. And I pull back a little bit because I'm trying to counteract, counteract the drag. During this process, Jim says, now keep your eyes closed. So I interpret that as, you are killing this. You are You're rocking this. He thinks you're cheating. I thought... That Jim thought I was cheating. So I confirmed that no, my eyes are closed. And I did my standard rate turn to the right for about a minute. And then he told me to do uh, straight and level again. So I go straight and level again. And I noticed two things as I'm back to straight and level. I noticed that number one, the engine's getting faster. And I haven't touched the throttle, so the engine should not be getting faster. And I also noticed that I'm starting to lift up out of my seat. And when you're straight and level, (laughs) you're not supposed to lift up out of your seat. And so finally, Finally, it is really uncomfortable flying when your eyes are closed. But I reminded myself, Jim's, able to see everything. He's not going to kill us both. And he finally said, "Okay, open your eyes and recover." Now, keep in mind when I open my eyes, all I can see is the the uh, control panel. I can't see outside the window. So I have to the point of this exercise is to practice recovering when all I have is my instrument panel to look at. I don't have the outside view. I don't have the ground. I don't have the horizon. I don't have anything at all to use as a reference point. All I have is my instruments. And I've got an instrument that's going to tell me, am I climbing or descending? Am I turning left or right? Am I, um, what is my altitude? Uh, so these are the things I have to assess all this information and figure out what direction am I going? And what do I need to do to get back to straight and level flight? When he said the words recover, open your eyes and recover, that meant I was not going straight and level. So when I opened my eyes, I discovered I was at a 30 degree bank and I was going down at about a 30 degree angle. That is not anywhere close to straight and level. So I recover, I get back to straight and level. I'm doing this just based on the instruments. Instruments on an aircraft, at least the air driven instruments are, there's a little bit of a lag because you're dealing with differences in air pressure. And so it uh, takes a minute to get everything back to uh, straight and level flight. I get there and he said, That was fun. Let's do it again. So we do it again. And standard rate turn to the left, about a minute. Standard rate turn to the right, about a minute. And same thing. I end up with my eyes closed, I end up at a bank angle going down. And so we get back to uh, straight and level flight. I take the hood off. We're talking and we're just kind of, we're cruising. We're in a safe test area, practice area. And um, he looks at me and he's dead serious. And he says, you cannot trust your body because I was flying. They call it seat of the pants flying. I was flying based on how I felt, <laughs> how the seat of my pants felt in my chair did I feel like I was turning left or right or going up or down? And based on that is how I was making my adjustments because I had my eyes closed. I couldn't see instruments. I couldn't see the outside uh, world or anything like that. And he said, you have to trust your instruments. If you don't trust your instruments, and there was this pause, and he was very dramatic about it. He said, you will die. And he repeated that sentence about four or five times. You have to trust your instruments. If you don't trust your instruments, you will die. And he emphasized a different word each time. If you don't trust your instruments, you will die. If you don't trust your instruments, you will die. Like I said, about four times he said that. And he looked at me and he said, do you get it? I said, I think I get your point. And he said it again. If you don't trust your instruments, you will die. And there are uh, examples of uh, aviation stories where people uh, didn't trust their instruments. I've I've taken young men up uh, in the air. I've taken them flying. And it's funny because I tell them the story and they look at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> of course, of course, I could go straight and level, even with my eyes closed. And I'm telling you, you cannot. It is not possible. I've talked to flight instructors. I've talked to FAA examiners. I've talked to people with a lot more flying time than I have, and they can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And so he reminded me, you can't trust your body. You, and in fact, the way that he said it was, your body will lie to you. I experienced this. I was doing one of my flight reviews and I knew I was turning. I knew I was turning. My body told me I was turning and I looked at my instruments. They said that was going straight and I didn't believe it. (laughs) I went back to, I actually peeked. I was under the hood and I peeked out the window and nope my body was wrong. My body lied to me. My instruments told me I was going straight. My body told me I was turning. My instruments were right. My body was right, was wrong. So what does that mean? How does that apply? How does that apply to me in my non-aviation life? Um, number one, we put so much stock in how we feel feel about things. And this is where I'm, as I kind of talk through things, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to land this, but we, there are so many things, whether it's, um, I need, uh, an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie, (laughs) or I need caffeine, or I need to take a nap or whatever it is. Our body will lie to us. Our, our body will not tell us the truth. And I'm not sure how that always relates when we're trying to identify what something means where we, but we put a lot of stock in how we feel. And, um, I, I'm not trying to discount that at all, but what I am trying, what I do believe, what I am trying to say is that our bodies are designed in a way that they don't, they're not always reliable. The, the, th- The feelings that we have that, um, and, and maybe I'll share some stories about this at some point. Maybe I won't just to protect myself from having people too upset with me, but our bodies, our bodies will lie to us. Our bodies will tell us that, well, if you love me, you'll do this. Our bodies will lie to us and we need to trust our instruments. Our instruments are external things. It gets to be so risky, I think, to, to rely 100% on how our physical body experiences stimulus. And so we have instruments. We have instruments that we can rely on. Instruments are external things like, from a gospel context, we have parents. Parents are not infallible, but they're an external, uh, they're an outside of set of eyes. We have scriptures. Scriptures may not be interpreted, and and I mean that in two different ways. The language may not be correct or easy to understand, but also there are people who interpret different passages of scripture in different ways. And so the interpretation that a person has over another person may not be accurate. But it's another set of eyes. Uh, We have, uh, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have apostles and prophets. We have people who have a different perspective. And so when our body is lying to us, we have these instruments, and there are others as well, that we can follow, that will help guide us to safety. I work at FedEx, and one of the things, one of the rules that we have is that when we're moving equipment around the planes, we have to have another set of eyes. We have a, a guide person. We have somebody who is guiding equipment up to the plane or gu- guiding, uh, drivers, tug drivers up to loaders. And we do that so that we have another set of eyes. We have a different perspective and that gets us for the most part, <laughs> gets us up to the planes safe, safely, successfully without having accidents or injuries or without hitting and damaging the planes without hitting, and damaging other people. And sometimes it's that different perspective. So I guess what I'm saying is, number one, don't put 100% stock in any one thing. I think that how we feel about things, especially if we're praying for uh, guidance, for answers to questions, those answers will come. But just because we imagine that an answer has come, um make sure that those answers are consistent. Make sure those answers are consistent with what the scriptures say, with what other outside influences say, what parents or what um, teachers or what um, gospel leaders, prophets, apostles, what they say. Because if, if we're not consistent, then that may be, I'm not saying it is, and I'm not saying it's not, but it may be, an opportunity, or it may be a situation where our body is lying to us, where we're having thoughts that pop into our heads that are not serving us well, that are not getting us to the point that we need to be. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's something I've been thinking about for uh, several days. As I've been thinking about getting back up in the air, I will keep you posted on that. But, uh, and I really had thought about recording this, putting this out earlier this week, and I just didn't. So there you go. Um, I am hoping to have, I referenced a week or two ago about uh, the five second rule, which, um, no, <laughs> it's not how long you can leave food on the floor, but we're going to have, um, that we'll probably have that up next week and we'll have other conversations. I was talking to people. We're still going to have the discussion about, um, the natural man. I just am working on getting that on the schedule. And then, um, had a great conversation with Carissa and, she has some things that she wants to talk about, uh, about uh, some of the things that she's experiencing. So we'll do that. And then I've got some leads on some other people that I want to reach out to and, and have some conversations that hopefully will help us all uh, enjoy nuggets of uh, happiness that come from living the gospel of Jesus Christ, or from gov- be- being good people, or from just uh, being the amazing people that you are. So that's all I got for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again next week. Thank you for listening to Chocolate Cake Bites. Please like, share, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating to review. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas, and you can reach out to me at ken at chocolatecakebites.com. And before you end the day, take a few minutes to consider, who do you know who needs chocolate cake?